Brothers and sisters, our gospel reading today at first glance seems to have a very simple message. We hear about ten lepers who meet Jesus and ask to be healed, and upon receiving this favor from them, only one comes back to offer him thanks. And so it would be very easy for us to take this gospel reading and reflect upon it saying that it's here to teach us about having an attitude of thankfulness, of gratitude. And certainly we should all have that same attitude, especially when it comes to the many gifts and blessings that God has bestowed upon us. In fact, that's why we're all here today, to celebrate the Eucharist. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving, so we're here to give thanks to God. But here's here's the dilemma. If all we take from this scripture is that we should be thankful then we miss the entire point of this passage. Because sacred scripture isn't some kind of a fairy tale where we're supposed to extract some kind of a moral of the story from it. Rather, sacred scripture is something completely different. It's unique. It's God's privileged communication with us. His way of entering into our lives in order to transform us, to help us understand who we are and how we relate to the world. And with this understanding of scripture, the moral platitudes that we can easily draw from a passage like this become somewhat unsatisfying. They're the spiritual equivalent of a moral victory in sports. You know, they may feel good for a minute or two, but at the end of the day, every athlete knows that he wants to win the game. And so a moral victory pales in comparison to an actual victory, something I wish my Notre Dame Fighting Irish would learn at some point. So if we move beyond the the moral victory of this gospel passage, we can delve into it a little deeper and extract a more transforming message from this gospel passage. When we look at what's going on here, we see that we've got ten lepers approaching Jesus. Now, in Jesus' time, leprosy was probably one of the most dreaded things that could happen to a person. Leprosy is often compared to AIDS in our own day, except that unlike people with AIDS, leprosy was also totally disfiguring. You see, I've worked with a lot of people who are HIV positive and who have AIDS in my own ministry, and one of the things that I've realized is a lot of times someone can be affected with HIV but appear externally to be quite healthy. That wasn't the case with leprosy. Leprosy left a person grossly disfigured, and because of that, they were isolated from the community. They were forced to live outside of the city walls, which meant that they didn't have any of the resources available to them. All of their dignity had been stripped from them. And so these ten people who are lepers approaching Jesus really represent ten people who have no hope. And so we have ten people who have no hope, And they come to Jesus and they ask him to have pity on them. Jesus then instructs the lepers to go and show themselves to the priests. Now, just to be clear, we priests are not medical doctors. I don't need all of you coming and showing me your ailments after Mass. The reason Jesus gave this command is because in the book of Leviticus, the priests are the ones who can restore somebody to the community. And so by going and showing themselves to the priests, the priests will confirm that they have been healed and restore them to the community. But notice that the lepers aren't cleansed right away. 
they're cleansed along their journey. And it's along the journey that they're healed, and one of them recognizes the significance of this. Only one recognizes the implications. All 10 would have been aware that they were healed. Like I said, there's no way you could miss it with leprosy. If you had it, and all of a sudden you were healed, and all the wounds and everything were gone, they would all know this. But it's only one who recognizes the significance of what has happened. Namely, that God has broken into their lives. St. Cyril of Alexandria says that the thankless nine do not realize the eschatological significance of what happened to them. That the kingdom of God has arrived in the person of Jesus. You see, this gospel passage is not so much about being thankful as it is about being aware that the kingdom of God has been made manifest here on earth. The transforming power of this gospel, in other words, is, that we be, is not that we become thankful, although that certainly is an important disposition for us to take, but that we become aware of the way in which the kingdom of God is at hand. And I think this is rather difficult for us who live in the modern world. You know, we're so used to being able to explain things in terms of science and to control the world around us through the use of our technology that we often overlook or dismiss the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. And don't get me wrong, science and technology are not opposed to this inbreaking of the kingdom of God. The issue that we face is that we don't understand that science and technology are in fact part of the manifestation of that kingdom of God. And then what so often happens is we tend to use our science or our technology as a way of dismissing God, of explaining God away, rather than understanding that this is a deepening of our relationship with God. And I say that because when we learn about the scientific truths that govern our world, what we should see is that this world was created by an intelligible God who ordered the world in an intelligible manner that we can know and discover and then that we can use to our advantage to, to grow and to further ourselves as human beings. So in other words, the more we learn about the world around us, the more educated we become, the more we are connected with God, who is the mind who ordered all of science. He's the author of science, so to speak. He's the author of every truth that exists. And so as we learn more about the world, we learn more about the author of the world, who is God. Here's what this means in practical terms. You know, it's likely that in the next hour, most of us will make use of a technological marvel, such as a smartphone or a tablet. Hopefully not before the end of Mass, though. How many of us, when we reach for our cell phone or tablet, will take a moment to thank not Steve Jobs, but God? For these devices, to some degree, are meant to draw us into a deeper relationship with God. But this only happens if we recognize that the reason these devices exist is because God created the world in an intelligible way, which in turn allowed us to use our creative capacity to create such devices. You see, if we see that reality, then we recognize that the kingdom of God is at hand. If we don't take that attitude and instead give thanks to Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs alone, we become like the nine lepers who were cured but failed to see the significance of that cure. 
When we see the significance of God's action in our lives, we're motivated to respond, not only by thanking God, but by rejoicing in him. That one leper who came back, the first thing he did is glorified God. He rejoiced in the Lord. And that's what we're meant to do as well. You know, hence, I'm using my iPad to preach the word of God to you. And I use my iPhone so that I can upload my homilies on my computer and more people can be evangelized and come to know God and respond and form a deep and personal relationship with him. But see, such proclamation isn't just my job. It's not just the role of the priest and the clergy. The kingdom of God needs to be announced by all the faithful. And so all of us must come to recognize that God is at work in our lives. We can't be like the 90% who experience the healing but don't see the implications, or who turn on their smartphones but fail to see the presence of God. Instead, we need to be people who are healed and see the implications of that healing and give thanks to the Lord for making our world in an intelligible manner. For when we do that, our eyes become opened to the bigger truth, the truth that God is present and active in our world, that he hasn't been explained away, but that he's intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. And that, my friends, is cause for rejoicing. Brothers and sisters, peace to you and to all who recognize the presence of God in their lives.